The best in Bitcoin made audible. You're listening to Bitcoin Audible with Guy Swan. All right, guys, we got one from Bitcoin Magazine today. Uh, returning author Aaron Van Weerdem, and uh, he's written written so many amazing pieces in the past that we have covered on this show. Um, this one does get a little technical, um, but uh, I think he always does a great job of breaking down those things, and we will be talking about them afterward as well. So don't feel too intimidated. Um, and uh, if there's some words you're unfamiliar with, uh, I'm going to try to uh, re-explain them a little bit um, in, uh, in some really common language uh, after the fact, just so you can kind of get an idea of what's going on if you don't follow this stuff as closely as a supreme geek like myself does. Real quick before we jump in, don't forget to stack your sats with swanbitcoin.com slash guy. That not only gets you free money, but it also helps support the sh- support the show too. So uh, you get ten dollars free to start off when you start your Bitcoin savings plan. I've been trying to push this um, just because I've, I finally got my uh, uh, my parents to start investing this way. I'm getting uh, some friends. It's been really, really great. I, I I truly think auto DCA to just auto buy a regular amount of Bitcoin over time is the best way to do it. And uh, if you do it with swanbitcoin.com slash guy, you're also supporting Bitcoin Audible. So uh, don't forget to do that. Uh, but let's go ahead and jump in. Again, this is posted on Bitcoin Magazine by Aaron Van Weerdem. And it is titled BIP8, BIP9, or Modern Soft Fork Activation. How Bitcoin Could Upgrade Next. Taproot a proposed protocol upgrade that would improve Bitcoin's privacy and flexibility is in its late stages of development. Bitcoin Core contributors agree that the upgrade would benefit Bitcoin, and so far it generally appears to be welcomed by the wider Bitcoin ecosystem as well. It's therefore likely that Taproot will make its way into a Bitcoin Core release, with other Bitcoin implementations possibly to follow. But one question remains. How should the Bitcoin network itself upgrade? Taproot is a consensus protocol change, which means that Bitcoin nodes must somehow switch from the old rules to the new rules without splitting the network into factions enforcing different rules. For various reasons, this has in the past sometimes proven to be a challenge. Improved strategies to activate protocol upgrades are now being contemplated. Previous Soft Forks and BIP9 The good news is that Taproot will be a soft fork. This type of upgrade adds or tightens rules, as opposed to a hard fork which removes or loosens rules. The nice thing about adding or tightening rules is that anything that an upgraded node considers valid a non-upgraded node considers valid too. If an old node accepts both transaction types A and B, but new rules only allow transaction type A, the old node would remain compatible on a network enforcing the new rules. Bitcoin's earliest soft forks were activated through flag days. 
Developers, in particular Satoshi Nakamoto, embedded a future date in the code of a new Bitcoin software client release, specifying a point in time where upgraded nodes would enforce the new rules. Miners and users were encouraged to upgrade before that date to avoid network splits. As an aside, in those days, miners and users were more often than today the same people. Since non-upgraded nodes remained compatible with new rules, a handy benefit of softworks is that if a majority of hash power enforces the upgrade, the entire Bitcoin network finds consensus on their version of the blockchain. This also means there is less of a pressing need for all nodes to be upgraded immediately when the new protocol rules are enforced, allowing users some flexibility. Though, users are encouraged to upgrade nonetheless. They are ultimately the ones enforcing the new rules by rejecting transactions and blocks that break them. Since about 2012, softworks have increasingly utilized hash power as a coordination mechanism to coordinate a switch to the new rules. By embedding a bit of data in their blocks, miners can signal to other miners and the rest of the network that they upgraded their software, and thus are ready to enforce the new rules. Once enough hash power signals support, all upgraded nodes are triggered to enforce the new rules. Over the course of a few upgrades, this strategy evolved into Bitcoin Improvement Proposal 9, BIP9. BIP9 was, for example, the mechanism used to activate Bitcoin's last soft fork upgrade, Segregated Witness or Segwit. Miners were given a year to activate the upgrade, requiring 95% of blocks within any difficulty interval to include a readiness signal bit. If after a year this didn't happen, the activation period would expire and the upgrade would have failed. It could then, of course, simply be tried again. For Segwit, however, BIP9 did not play out smoothly. As with some of the previous upgrades, some miners probably didn't get around to upgrading for some time due to apathy. There often isn't a big incentive for miners to upgrade fast. But a bigger problem was that some miners had come to understand the signaling process as a sort of vote on the upgrade, where instead of signaling readiness, they would or would not signal support for it. Worse, some miners ended up using this vote to block the upgrade in order to try and gain political leverage over the Bitcoin development process, and or they voted against the upgrade in order to covertly benefit from a quirk in the Bitcoin protocol which the upgrade would fix. After an extended period of intense drama, Segwit ultimately did activate but only after alternative Bitcoin clients included new activation schemes. BIP-148, included in the BIP-148 client run by some users, was programmed to only accept blocks signaling support for the protocol upgrade, starting on a flag day. Meanwhile, BIP-91, included in the BTC-1 client and run by miners just ahead of the BIP-148 flag day, effectively lowered the hash power requirement from 95% to 75%. Faced with a potential split network and a possible loss of income, the obstructing miners conceded. But for most Bitcoin Core developers, BIP9 had revealed itself to be a suboptimal solution, and they started thinking of alternatives. BIP8 
BIP-8 was an early alternative for BIP-9, proposed by BIP-148 author Shaolin Fry and Bitcoin Knots and Bitcoin Core contributor Luke Jr. It initially resembled BIP-9, but with one crucial difference. Instead of the upgrade failing after a year of insufficient hash power support, it would do the exact opposite and activate the soft fork at that point in time. Similar to a flag day, all upgraded nodes would from then on start enforcing the new rules. Miners who had still failed to upgrade would risk mining blocks that upgraded miners and users would reject. The main idea behind BIP-8 is that, assuming of course users upgrade, miners can't block the soft fork and therefore can't use this leverage to their benefit. They can speed up activation and help coordinate a smooth protocol upgrade, but the upgrade will eventually happen, even if they don't activate it themselves. A more recent draft of BIP-8 includes some notable changes. For one, BIP-8 allows nodes to be configured for two different policies when the signal period is about to expire. Forced activation, as explained in the previous two paragraphs, or no forced activation, like with BIP-9. Furthermore, instead of activating the upgrade itself, nodes, if so configured, actually enforce signaling for the upgrade. Blocks that do not signal support for the upgrade are then rejected, hence still guaranteeing the upgrade, at least for the upgraded nodes. The combination of these two changes has the interesting property that if a majority of all Bitcoin hash power is compelled to signal support for the upgrade, even BIP-8 nodes that aren't configured to enforce signaling will go along with the upgrade. An argument against BIP-8 and its forced signaling, or automatic activation in specific, is that it can be risky, especially on a shorter timeline. If a hash power majority and at least some users don't upgrade, this scheme could split the network between upgraded and non-upgraded nodes. Assuming most users support the upgrade, this would likely resolve in favor of the upgraded part of the network eventually. But non-upgraded users would risk losing funds in the meantime, while non-upgraded miners would waste hash power to the detriment of Bitcoin's security. This risk is probably best countered by offering enough time to upgrade. Unfortunately, not everyone agrees on how much time is enough. Some think forced signaling could start within a year. Others believe it should take several years. Another complication with BIP-8 is setting defaults for forced signaling. If forced signaling is switched off by default, users could find themselves uncoordinated, increasing the risk of network splits. If, on the other hand, forced signaling is chosen as the default in a Bitcoin Core release, the historically widespread adoption of Bitcoin Core virtually guarantees that the upgrade will happen. Some believe this would give Bitcoin Core developers too much influence over Bitcoin's protocol rules. For this reason, BIP-8 co-author Luke Jr. prefers BIP-8 with forced signaling to exclusively be deployed through special clients, similar to the BIP-148 client. Others argue that Bitcoin Core developers always release software to their best judgment, while keeping user demand in mind and avoiding contentious upgrades. Setting BIP-8 defaults should be no exception to this policy. If anyone disagrees with the choices Bitcoin Core developers make after all, 
they can simply choose not to upgrade to a new release or even fork the Bitcoin Core code to launch a competing client altogether. Modern Soft Fork Activation While Bitcoin Core developers indeed seek to take user demand into consideration and try to avoid contentious upgrades, not everyone is convinced this is always perfectly possible. Perhaps concerns about a proposed upgrade only surface when the software is deployed in a new release. Perhaps whole new issues arise after this release. Or perhaps Bitcoin Core developers simply missed something. This is one reason why Bitcoin Core contributor Matt Corallo proposed a strategy dubbed Modern Soft Fork Activation. Modern Soft Fork Activation consists of three steps, together essentially realizing a combination of BIP9, or BIP8 without forced signaling, and BIP8 with flag day activation, though forced signaling could still be an option as well. As the first step, BIP9 would allow miners to activate the soft fork through hash power. If miners don't activate it in, say, a year, the first activation window expires. Then as the second step, developers take some time to analyze why activation failed and reconsider the proposal if they do find a concern with it. If they find there was no problem with the proposal, however, the third step is redeployment of the soft fork, this time using BIP8 with flag day activation. Miners get another chance to activate the proposal with hash power. But if they fail again, the soft fork activates when this second signaling period ends. During this second signaling period, the hash power activation threshold could also be incrementally lowered over time, Bitcoin Core contributor AJ Towns suggests. By explicitly committing to BIP8 redeployment if it turns out there's nothing wrong with the proposal, Corallo believes the strategy would offer the benefits of BIP9 without the downside. The code is put out there during the first signaling period for everyone to consider, miners can coordinate a smooth upgrade if they so choose, and with no forced activation, developers can take their time to reconsider the proposal if activation does initially fail. Meanwhile, miners would have much less to gain from blocking the upgrade for no reason, as everyone knows it will eventually activate anyways. The main argument against modern soft fork activation is that without minor cooperation, the process would take relatively long, and some consider the BIP9 step a waste of time altogether. Corallo's original proposal includes one year of BIP9 signaling, followed by six months to reconsider and finally two years of BIP8 signaling before automated activation, a total of three and a half years. While this timeline is of course not set in stone yet, shortening the different steps by too much would leave less time for reconsideration and or upgrading, increasing the risk of network splits. Due to the long time until potential forced activation, some also argue that miners can try and gain some political leverage after all. They can delay the upgrade for years. BIP8 plus BIP91 Another recent suggestion circulating through Bitcoin's tech channels is perhaps best described as a bit of a merger between BIP8 and modern soft fork activation, at least in spirit. The unnamed proposal would deploy a long BIP8 signaling period, perhaps as long as modern software activation's three and a half years, after which forced signaling triggers. However, 
if, say, after one year, the upgrade didn't activate yet, developers would take some time to reconsider the proposal, just like they would with modern soft fork activation. If developers would find no problem with the proposal, and instead were to conclude that it simply hadn't activated due to minor apathy or another invalid reason, they could opt to deploy a new soft fork in the style of BIP-91, used during SegWit activation. This would effectively lower the hash power threshold for activation, presumably speeding up the process. If, on the other hand, developers would find a problem with the proposal after all, they could deploy a new soft fork that would fix the problem, or even undo the original soft fork, in this case Taproot, altogether. Assuming modern soft fork activation's three-and-a-half-year timeline until forced signaling, there ought to be enough time left to take care of this. The main argument against this proposal is probably that it's not very elegant to deploy a soft fork that undoes another soft fork if so needed. More concretely, it requires that miners and users upgrade to new releases before deadlines are reached, or risk splitting the network. Sporks Finally, as a bit of an outlier idea, Bitcoin Core contributor Jeremy Rubin suggested that a concept he invented called probabilistic Bitcoin soft forks, or sporks, might be more incentive compatible than typical hash power enforced soft forks. The heart of the problem of BIP9, Rubin argues, is that miners can delay upgrades at no cost of their own. Simply refusing to signal readiness for an upgrade is free, while it potentially offers them political leverage. With sporks, the readiness signal is no longer taken from a bit of data that miners include in the blocks that they mine, but derived from the block header hash, the randomly generated proof of work they produced by investing time and resources. Upgraded nodes would agree that a small subset of valid block header hashes, statistically to only be found every six months or so, would trigger the upgrade. Per the randomness of hashes, a miner would not control whether he produces regular block header hashes or upgrade activating block header hashes. He would statistically just happen to churn out one of the latter sporadically. So if his invested resources happen to generate an upgrade activating block header hash, he'd have two choices. Either publish it to the Bitcoin network, earn the block reward, and activate the soft fork, or withhold from publishing delaying the soft fork by about six months on average in our example, but in doing so, also giving up the block reward. Delaying the upgrade would come at a significant cost. The main problem with sporks right now is probably that it's a relatively new idea that hasn't been developed yet, let alone tested in the wild. While some do consider the concept interesting, it's as of yet not the most likely contender for taproot activation. Author's note. The debate on soft fork activation and taproot activation in specific is in flux. This is a non-exhaustive overview of the different upgrade proposals, especially when it comes to variants of the proposals with alternative parameters and other tweaks, and all their pros and cons. Update Another idea, which has been gaining some traction since this article was written, mostly, is to first deploy BIP-8 with a relatively long signaling period, say two years, and configured without forced signaling at the end of this signaling period. 
This allows miners to activate the soft fork relatively normally, as they have done several times in the past. However, if after some time, say six months, the soft fork isn't activated and there doesn't appear to be a good reason for the delay, a new client can be released with VIP8 configured to force signaling near the end of the existing signaling period or sooner. Assuming most miners then activate the soft fork either before or during this forced signaling period, both sets of BIP8 nodes, with and without the forced signaling configuration, would enforce the soft fork on activation. And that was Aaron Van Weirdem from Bitcoin Magazine on how Bitcoin could upgrade next. Let's go ahead. I really want to talk about like what a lot of this means because I know there's a whole bunch of BIP8, BIP9, BIP91, BTC1 client, blah, blah, blah. Like I know that it can be hard to follow some of this stuff in uh, audio. So I kind of want to uh, see if I can expand on this a little and make it make a little bit more sense. Um, and I really, really like the I'm glad I actually didn't have this published before this update dropped just a little while ago um, because I like the last um, proposal, and it's actually similar to what I had in mind, uh, like something, the, the element of having the BIP8 uh, non-forced signaling, uh, the ones that do not require uh, the activation to uh, actually support the ones that do, I thought was a really clever trick. So let's hit our sponsor really fast, and then we're going to talk about how the Taproot upgrade could find its way onto the Bitcoin network. Okay, so Taproot and this soft fork upgrade. What exactly is going on here? Um, so uh, I anybody who's tried to read or dig into the whole uh, BIP-148 and BIP-91 and like all the stuff that happened around SegWit, um, knows how confusing and ridiculous some of these proposals can be, uh, and uh, the the eventual activation of uh, Segwit was in fact incredibly complicated and looped around, uh, and involved like three different, I think, like separate activations because of the user activated soft work. Um, but uh, there's a great, uh, actually, there's a great piece by Aaron on this very thing. Uh, it's called The Long Road to Segwit. If you want to dig into it, it's fascinating. Again, it's a little hard to follow, but uh, it was just such a crazy, crazy time in Bitcoin's history. It's definitely something I encourage you to read and or listen about, uh, to learn about, if you want to really dig into how some of this has played out in the past. But there have been a number of soft forks that went through with BIP9, uh, which j j let's, let's clear up what these are really quick before we do anything else. So BIP9 was the quote unquote minor activation. Um, and uh, it wasn't really, but it got turned into that during the SegWit days. Um, because what it was supposed to be is that like, okay, there is this upgrade coming to the Bitcoin network how about all of the miners signal a little flag that says, I did it, we're good to go. Um, and it's just, it was just a readiness flag, you know, like it was supposed to say, I've updated, so we're, we're solid now. And we could have a degree of comfort about it. Obviously, 
though the outcome of this is that as soon as there was a contentious or uh, uh, an upgrade that um, was significant or influential in some way, uh, Segwit being the one that uh, he, he kind of... He's a little nice about it in this article, but I, tr I truly think this was just because of the covert ASIC boost situation in the, in the, in the sense that um, the reason SegWit was quote unquote contentious was because it hurt Bitmain's uh, secret profits. <laughs> um, this was during the heart of the ASIC race, I guess you could say. And um, they had an advantage that they were they were taking up taking uh, advantage of in secret with a method of organizing the blocks, um, and they could do this without making it clear that they were using ASICs or that they were using ASIC boost. Excuse me. Um, and whereas there was a, another form of ASIC boost um, that, and I think the, like the margins or whatever were like ten percent or something like that, ten or twenty percent. Like it was it was for an entire industry that works on incredibly small margins. And I could, I could have that wrong. You know, I'm just kind of pulling that out of my ass. I, I remember those numbers from somewhere. Um, but uh, it was a significant boost in uh, a productivity that uh, is in an inherently low margin industry. Granted, during, during the days of ASIC and uh, the explosion and maturation of that on the market, um, you know, there were definitely times where um, margins on the newest hardware were massive in comparison to the older hardware. Like the the iterations that the hardware, the mining hardware went through were phenomenal. Like they they raced through 30 years worth of computational history on uh, chip manufacturing explicitly for Bitcoin, genuinely in a matter of like three years. Like it was it was absolute chaos. As soon as you bought a miner, it was out of date. Like the shipping time, literally the shipping time was a key factor in whether or not you got your money back. Um, and that's just crazy to think about. So in that environment, Bitmain had a, uh, a covert advantage on their miners. Think that they just were able to squeeze more out of their margins, um, uh, out of their machines. And Segwit made this uh it basically made them have to publicly use this tool so even if they didn't care about segwit again like as soon as it becomes political that with bip9 miners could um even though it was supposed to, <clears throat> it was supposed to be for them to signal that they were ready it ended up getting used for those who simply didn't signal bitmain in this instance could prevent it from being activated. And that hadn't been a problem before. Um, and, uh, and it just, it reveals the, the inherent vulnerability of, uh, which is inevitable. It is inevitable that upgrades get politicized because they have to be dealt with in the developer and social sphere. There's really no way around it. This is the one true level of social governance in the bitcoin system and i think at some point to, to some degree we just have to admit that that's what it is because particularly with the conversations i've seen around activation and stuff is um we're the the developers are so incredibly focused on trying to figure out any way that they can to not make it centralized around 
them making the decision. And I think it's a combination of hating the, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress from the Segwit situation, but also just the feeling that they don't want to be the ones solely making the decision. They don't want to be running and telling Bitcoin what to do. And that's probably the, one of the most reassuring things to me is that developers are so diehard focused on trying to make sure that they're not just taking control and running with the protocol and everybody else is just following along because and they know that's because they become the weakest link in bitcoin they become the you know some form of a trusted third party in this system uh, when it comes to changing the protocol, making changes and upgrades to the protocol. So uh, in one level, I, I unbelievably appreciate their uh, conservativeness, not, not politically conservative, but conservativeness in um, taking care with the protocol and not it, trying not to introduce any vulnerabilities, even a political one, even a governance one. Um, and avoiding that at all costs. But again, like I said, this is the the thing that's strictly in the social sphere. The um, uh, the the upgrading of the protocol is going to have to be decided by the nodes, by the people running the software. And unfortunately, the, like I'm not going to be able to properly assess its security. Like I'm deferring to somebody else. I can't review the code. You know, like, like I wish I could and I read the specs and, you know, I've read BIP 340, 341, 342 of uh, what I can get out of them. Um, those, by the way, um, and I just confirmed this to make sure I was having my thinking right, but all three of these are part of the taproot proposal, which part of that makes, it seems obvious because they're kind of dependent on each other, but I genuinely wasn't really sure how it was working out, but this soft fork will include all three of those which are Schnorr signatures, Taproot, and then Taproot uh, validation, I think was the third one. But this is a big deal soft fork. Like this would, this will lead to so many like really great improvements in how signatures work, in the, the capabilities of it. Like this is what makes MAST possible, if you've heard about that, the uh, Merkleized abstract syntax trees, which, oh my God, what the hell is he talking about? It just, it means that, uh, you know, you could make an entire tree's worth of, like, picture a tree. You've got all these different branches and all these different leaves at the end of it, um, but you've only got one trunk, right? Um, uh, imagine all of these branches in the trunk, though, are the exact same size. Um, and to execute any any leaf on that tree, like we could pick any one leaf and there might be thousands and thousands of different options. But in order to get to any one leaf, all you have to do is trace a couple of branches. You know, it might only be four branches away to get to the leaf. You, uh, you, you know, take a turn here, 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 and here, and then boom, you're at the leaf. Uh, and in just a handful of those branches, you could have thousands and thousands of options. Well, this is something that allows you to write transactions with the level of complexity of all the branches and all the leaves on a tree like you might see outside. But in order to um, 
transact the valid state of it or the the basically the conclusion of this elaborate contract um is to just have to trace out your little path um just be like we can ignore the rest of the tree all the other stuff can be thrown away it's not important all we need is our one path to our one leaf that's pretty freaking cool and obviously it's a huge efficiency savings of course with schnorr signatures the Aaron has a literally he is the source of all the articles on this um uh, on all this stuff if you want to dig into it literally you could just go to the anchor uh, uh episode list and just type in Aaron um and probably all of the episodes that break down Schnorr signatures taproot um uh the segwit soft fork all of this stuff is almost guaranteed to be his article um but long story short, this is just a really, really exciting upgrade. Um, but back to the activation. So BIP8, um, so BIP9 was the uh, miners let us know when they're ready and it turned into miners decide. Um, and so that's kind of ugh. That's exactly what led to the in, ridiculous Segwit debacle. Um, and we don't want a repeat of that. That was not that fun. Well, I take that back. To me, it was actually incredibly exciting, but it was exciting because it was insanely stressful. So let's just not do it again. I'm, I'm cool with skipping it this time. BIP8, however, was, the, uh, was a flag day activation that said... Um, uh, users upgrade, miners upgrade, you get this span of time and on this date or this block height or whatever, uh, good luck because this is going to be part of the network. Now, if a very, very small minority ended up upgrading to it, um, you know, 5% of the hash power, 10% of the nodes or whatever, well, then it wouldn't really go through like if they tried to create a transaction they would just be it'd just be an orphaned block like like it wouldn't be a persistent split of the network which is usually like thought of you'd end up rolling back um well uh, technically they wouldn't have to roll back but if they don't want to orphan blocks on a regular basis they would have to um because the uh, because they would still recognize the chain with 95 percent of the hash power as a valid chain, which means that every time they produced a block on the soft fork, it would just get discarded, discarded, because the other miners are mining a whole lot faster. And they're not mining on top of the, the you know, SegWit block or whatever our soft fork is. However, you basically have the exact same situation in the reverse if you have like 80% or 60% or some, some uh, not massive majority of miners and nodes who upgraded but a more than half um you basically run the exact same risk in the reverse of the non-upgraded nodes possibly having uh, you know transactions double spent on them without them realizing it um or you know something that's two blocks deep this transaction that they think they have getting orphaned and now this thing is reversed and there's nothing to do about it you know that sort of thing Basically, we want consensus one way or the other, uh, and that's that's really important. In fact, out of this, I feel like we really 
There are basically three things that we really want. A, we don't want to move too fast. It's, it's not super important that we have this tomorrow because that introduces a lot more risk and a lot more uh, uh, likelihood that some of the a scenario, like I just explained, either for the soft fork or against the soft fork occurs. And that'll be a mess. We don't want that. So don't go too fast. The second would be, you know, don't split Bitcoin. And the third, don't break it. And I gave these in reverse order of importance. So don't break it is the most important. And I'd be willing to bet there is a degree of don't break it uh, nervousness around its activation, which is part of the attempt to not centralize it, like to not have it so that developers are just unilaterally making the decision to implement this, um, uh, which I understand. Um, I would be deeply, deeply reluctant if I had worked on this to say, okay, it's time, let's do it. It's like, I mean, I have the, the level of like nervousness that I get over uh, an unedited piece of audio or excuse me, an edited piece of audio, like my little final uh, versions of this, this show and uh, working on some sort of a video or something that I've edited for like a week, I never feel like it's done. Like, I feel like I could always make it better. I'm always like, I end up having to just get mad at myself and be, I'm sick of this. I just need to publish because otherwise I would beat around the bush indefinitely. I would never think that I was ready to be done with it. And if that's the way that I feel, if I get that tendency and that reluctance to not release uh, something that maybe could make be just made a fraction a little bit better, or maybe I did something wrong somewhere, if I feel that way about editing a video, I can't imagine what that feeling is like uh, developing on the Bitcoin base layer. <laughs> so I think there is a degree of like, I don't want to be 100, I don't want to be solely responsible for this, like, because this is everybody this is everybody's Bitcoin, you know, like it's not just the developers making this decision. And uh, even though there's not a whole lot we can really, again, I can't review code, but I feel like we should take some of that off of them and really, you know, get together and decide about what to do, like from a node runner standpoint. Do we want to trust it? Do we want to change Bitcoin? Do we want to put in a new soft fork? And uh, I feel like somebody's going to have to kind of take the lead on this um, because I think it's a lot of people nervous to make a declaration. And that was one of the kind of beautiful things about Shallon Fry and BIP 148. I mean, it's why I like Luke Jr.'s, uh, Luke Dasher's um, comments about, um, and I kind of feel, I kind of agree with Eric Lombroso too. Um, but uh, Luke uh, was basically saying, Maybe it's smart to do this in a separate client so that because one of the ideas of centralization here is that most people just download the core client and it is most of even, you know, previous versions accounted for. Like if you go back five versions deep or six versions deep, it is just the Bitcoin core client. That's like 90% of the nodes on the network. It's the node. Um, it is absolutely the reference client for Bitcoin. And that's a lot of responsibility to think that the whole network, that a whole bunch of people who aren't assessing it, 
may just, and not really considering the implications or not knowing what the implications are, which is the worst kind of, you don't want ignorant people, you know, like making significant changes, alterations to their software that's protecting their Bitcoin, that's protecting the network. So if they're just doing that and they're just upgrading, that's why you don't, that's why they're scared to make it the default that, oh, it's just activation turned on. But then they might not know how to turn it on. Like, like how do we expect everybody to also uh, know how to easily do these things? So Luke is like, let's do it like BIP 148. Maybe we make it a separate client when we talk about a flag day activation so that somebody has to specifically go and download, download something that's not Bitcoin core in order to say, this is the day we get Taproot. And then we know how many people really want it or really dedicated, which miners are willing to take the risk and want this upgrade, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I think that is actually fair to say that that's a more interesting or I guess a, a less susceptible to the default way uh, form of signaling for this upgrade if we do something like a BIP-8 with a flag day. Now, back to Matt Corallo's, um, before I hit Eric Lombroso, because his comment is kind of the one that I'm like, this is kind of how I feel about it. Um, uh, but let's hit the modern soft work activation really quick before we get there. It is basically a combination of the two. I think the big thing, I think the reason this is not a good idea and the reason uh, uh, it probably won't happen is because everybody who hears three and a half years before we get this goes, oh, like everybody I've talked to about it is just like three and a half years. I think that is just simply too long. Um, it's too careful. And uh, anything that hasn't come up in like, I don't feel like the added quote unquote security or um, eyes on the protocol, eyes on the upgrade that you gain from having an extra three and a half years to beat around the bush does not correspond with the relevant cost. I like a two-year maximum, which was the BIP-8, um, uh, was it BIP-8 plus 91? <laughs> There's so many different proposals. Um, but uh, uh, I liked the BIP-8 for a uh, flag day, no explicit activation, and then uh, the recon reconsideration and implement of the, uh, oh wait, no, this was the updated one at the end. Um, so first round, the BIP-8 is, they're signaling for, uh, to get this taproot upgrade, and then, uh, then a new one with the second round of BIP-8 is a flag day that actually does activate no questions asked and you have to deal with it but anybody who is signaling enforces it with them so they will accept the bip8 enforced blocks even though they weren't part of the actual they were just part of the original um flag day no enforcement so hopefully hopefully that follows um but i actually really really like that and i think two years is by far uh the should be the long the long tail of what we think of as a time frame here um 
Uh, and Matt Corallo's modern uh, activation, you know, is the double double up BIP nine first, then BIP eight with like a two year period and a six month, you know, reconsideration. Like I said, that's just too long, um, in my opinion. But that leads me to um, uh, Eric Lombroso. Uh, Eric said on this, and I think this is this is one of the great things about what happened with BIP one forty eight. Um, is that we actually got SegWit within the original activation period, even though we didn't have the original support for it. We didn't, we didn't get the threshold with the original activation, but with Shaolin Fry basically like, all right, we're going to call your bluff. And just, just, a, just a tidbit of the history here, it was fascinating to read discussions on Reddit openly talking about the Reddit was a lot less memes and actual good discussion. There was a lot more signal on Reddit back then. Not, not at all anymore, really. Um, no offense to Reddit, but it's, it's mostly a joke. Um, to read conversations and like breaking down of the game theory involved of like, let's do this BIP 148 thing and this is what will unfold. And to see exactly that unfold was probably one of the most exciting things ever. And to know that everybody knew this game theory going in, like it wasn't like there was like a secret plan. Like it was like, this is what is likely to happen if we do it this way. And we can openly talk about it in public and it doesn't change the fact that if we hold our ground, like miners don't own the network. And this is what a, a contest between the users develop and developers and the community of Bitcoin who want to make, uh, who want this improvement and this soft work upgrade, that the miners can't hold it hostage if they want it. And this is why this is a clear, a clear path to uh, a, a bet, a gamble, nonetheless, but one that worked. Um, and that was just utterly fascinating to me. But Eric said in response to um, this, uh, this conversation, or I think it was like actually under this article, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in response to uh, Aaron's post with this article. But he says... After the SegWit activation saga, I am done with half-hearted measures. If we're going to activate it, we should be as aggressive as possible with the goal of activating quickly, or else we should not. Long technical processes not understood by 99% of users are weak. If the process is to become politicized again anywho's, we might as well take the initiative and push hard, assuming it has enough popular support. And if it doesn't have enough popular support, what is needed is a campaign to popularize it before any deployment, in, uh, any deployment attempts. Yes, this is political. There is no way around that now. Someone needs to take the initiative and lead or it will not happen. And if this is a problem, it probably shouldn't be done at all. Now, this is a really good point. Um, and I was really happy that... Like everybody talked about, in fact, all the developers were openly against uh, the user activated soft fork at the time. Um, many of them said uh, there was actually like a big chart of like, for what reasons do you support and or uh, reject the user activated soft fork? 
And a lot of people supported the idea of getting SegWit, but hated that process, the, the you know, playing chicken, essentially, with the Bitcoin network. Um, and because of that, none of them ever publicly supported it. Well, I think maybe two people, it's like two or three, it's a very, 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 very small number of the actual developers supported user-activated soft fork until pretty late in the game when it was clear that it was actually going to win. It was like, all right, well, now we either do this or now there's no beating around the bush. We just have to do this. Um, so that's when the real flood happened. It was when it was clear that a uh, strong portion of this network was holding their ground and everybody else can suck it. It was like, all right, well, we want to prevent a split. And everybody knows that SegWit is perfectly safe. Even the people who were railing against it, they're just being jackasses. Uh, so let's just implement it. And that's what happened. And I kind of feel like we should do that. Um, not, not necessarily, not like a, just a blatant user activated soft fork, you know, like, let's just pump it out and get it out in two months. But, um, kind of what Eric alluded to here is that, you know, if the code is ready to propose, if it's ready to be in its activation phase, well, then it should, it should be ready to be activated. We shouldn't think that the we shouldn't think of the activation period as the do we is it safe to be part of the software? Do we really want it to be part of the software? Like I think he's right that we should kind of know we should kind of just if this if we're serious about this and we want this upgrade and the code is ready, let let's make a stand. Let's push to have this put into the protocol. And knowing the risk. Knowing that I am, you know, trusting that de the developers did their job and like I know mistakes are made, you know, uh, Newberry, um, brilliant and just does a mountain of work, did in fact uh, implement a potential bug that could have caused serious problems. Um, obviously, it was fixed and uh, nothing ever came of it. And, it, you know, it wasn't exactly like the easiest thing in the world to take advantage of. But nonetheless, it could have been a big problem. And there is always the possibility that that could happen again. But that's why this is a soft fork. Like that's, that's why that sort of a mitigation is, or that um, path is taken. That's why we have an activation period. Like, like we're, you know, we're putting careful method on top of careful method on top of careful method here, which I understand is the point of this thing. Like, it's very important that we do that, but I feel like we should do BIP8 flag day activation and just do it. And if it's, uh, if it requires another separate client and maybe that's the smart way to go or to create, actually, I think somebody said somewhere in a conversation that I've read on this saying release one that's rather than it being a Bitcoin core client. Make it a separate client that's Bitcoin Taproot or Bitcoin Core Taproot, whatever it is, so that you have to specifically go and know that you're downloading a whole new thing that is implementing a new software change to the Bitcoin network, and uh, and you know it's, nobody's going to look at that and go, obviously this is the same thing I've always downloaded. Let me just blindly download and, and stuff. If they're if you know. If, if they're doing that at that point, well, then they were always going to do that. There's no way around it. 
I think that's about the clearest way that you can let people know what the hell they're getting themselves into. That There is a risk that this is a change to the Bitcoin network. Then the next version that comes around or the next uh, upgrade that comes around is just back to Bitcoin core or whatever it is. Um, and, uh, and we just have a put up or shut up. Um, like I think we, I think this is broadly wanted in the industry. I think everybody knows that this is going to be a huge upgrade and this is going to be very powerful for the Bitcoin network. And I like to think, I, I trust that as much taboo as that word has, um, I trust that the developers, um, have built something that's, uh, that will stand on its own. And um, I, I wouldn't mind doing last fundraising for some random code review. Um, that would actually be pretty cool. I'd be willing to contribute to that just to have completely fresh eyes. I don't know how long that would take. That's kind of the problem with something like that. But depending on the feasibility, that's a very interesting thing. And if you know nothing comes up, let's just do it. Um, go big or go home, right? <laughs> Uh, so what do you think? What's your, like, um, am, am I being rash with this? Like, uh, I know there's been a long conversation with this, but I think we have, I think it's been kept mostly among the developers and I think it's time for the community, the node operators, for people to get out and say, to stake something and say, you know, I'm not going to put all, I'm not, not going to leave this all up to the developers. Let's, let's have a client that we install and let's take a stand and decide one way or the other do we want this are we going to run this do we trust this uh and and let's do it so what do you think hit me up on twitter at the crypto economy or at bitcoin audible you can find me at both of those places uh hit me up let me know what you think about this uh what's your what's your plan to get taproot activated or your reluctance do you think we shouldn't do taproot and why i'd be very curious i have not heard anybody argue really against taproot to speak of at all uh which you know technically is a good sign but you never know i'm curious so uh hit me up uh, don't forget to start stacking sats with swanbitcoin.com slash guy again that'll get you 10 free dollars help out the show and of course you will secure in the simplest auto-purchasing, no-brainer way, your Bitcoin savings for the future. Do not miss it. If we're going to go into another bull run, you're going to be super pissed if you waited a, a whole nother week and realized that you could have done another purchase in $9,000 range or whatever it was, uh, and you missed it. Don't be that guy. Buy Bitcoin. SwanBitcoin.com slash guy. And of course, don't be a fool. You want to learn everything there is to know about Bitcoin. You want to learn about economics, the philosophy, the history. You want to make sure that we go into a future where we get our privacy back, where we have our sovereignty and our money. We want to go into a Bitcoin future, not a Chinese surveillance state future. Bitcoin Audible is going to be where you learn all about it and you stay up to date on all the best works in Bitcoin. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Much love to Aaron Van Wertem uh, and Bitcoin Magazine for this amazing piece and to the brilliant developers of Bitcoin bringing, uh, bringing this decision to us. 
um, to implement an incredible improvement to the Bitcoin protocol and work tirelessly to be our stewards of the soundest money in the world. So if you haven't, thank a Bitcoin developer today, and I'll catch you next time on Bitcoin Audible. I'm Guy Swan, and until then, take it easy, guys.